Fill our hearts to overflowing with your joy, your glory, and your hope. Amen. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone feeling after Christmas? Relieved? Happy it's done? Yep, there's a bit of that. That's good, that's good. Um, I, I actually also feel that way. I feel like another year has been chalked up. Um, a lot happened for my family in the past year, and I had knee surgery and a baby and all sorts of exciting things. So I've got that, yes, another year is down, another year has been chalked up, I, can, I have success. Um, maybe a little bit of sadness with that as well. Maybe things that I wanted to do that didn't quite get to, but another year is down. And it's at this time of year that, of course, people start making New Year's resolutions and deciding on what is to come for the new year. And that's exciting. Um, people, uh, you know, reattending church, as Bowen mentioned in the announcements before, there's, there's a lot of exciting things that happen in a new year. And it's good to take stock, to pause and reflect. And I hope we can do that this morning together. But before we entirely finish up on Christmas and 2018, uh, the gospel reading today, of course, takes us back to the Christmas story. And behind me, I have a beautiful nativity set and a cryptic sign that I've put up. They're hopefully, historians in the room, Rob Stewart's going to be my poster lady, boy. <laughs> a cryptic sign, which, which uh, some, you know, those historical scholars in the room may, may know what that means. We'll get to that later on. It's a bit of an Easter egg surprise. But... At the, as we continue to look at almost the Christmas story still, after we've, we've left Christmas last week, we're coming back to this story in Matthew chapter 2 about the wise men, the wise men visiting Jesus. And this Sunday, as mentioned earlier, is Epiphany, which is actually a very important Sunday in the Christian calendar, and traditionally, it always celebrates the time in which the wise men visited Jesus. Now, there's a lot of... Uh, talk about the wise men. Were they wise? Were they that many? Uh, who were they? Where did they come from? There's a lot of questions there to answer. And so we might look at that a little bit this morning, but I'm, I'm sure I won't have all the answers. But I, I hope that there will be in a moment of epiphany for you, a moment of revelation and realisation, because there was for me right in this message. Uh, I had a great revelation from God. And epiphany has two meanings. The first is divine manifestation. So Jesus himself being an epiphany a divine manifestation of the presence of God, of God himself, and then, of course, revelation and insight. Now, I've had a few epiphanies in my life. Um, some of them have been about brilliant things like how to wash dishes pre- properly or <laughs> you know, how to put things in cupboards, but uh, I have had some deep thoughts, believe it or not. I hope I have. And I think this is important. There's times in our life where we need to have an epiphany moment, um, and I believe that the Spirit of God more than anything else, gives us these moments if we are willing and open to it. So that being said, we're looking at the wise men. Now, the story of the wise men. The Bible talks of these men. They are magi. Uh, Sounds short for magician. These wise men tell us something powerful about the Christmas story. Very powerful, in fact. They were not Israelites. They were men from the east. They were what the Bible calls Gentiles, people who did not follow the one true God. And yet they came in search of this king on this night, however many they were. These possibly kings, priests, magicians, or politicians, as some have suggested, came to pay homage to Jesus at his birth. 
We do know uh, from history, from other sources, that the Magi were a Persian class of astrologers. They followed the stars, and it makes sense with the story that we have, these astrologers who followed a star. Clearly, they had an epiphany to make that decision, to follow a star from the east. They had a moment of revelation, realization that this was important. And tradition tells us that there were three of these men. They have the greatest names, Melchior, Caspar, and Balthazar. Now, this is just tradition, so, you know, we're, we're playing with some ideas here. Not necessarily what their names were, but it's, it's nice to have them. And in fact, the Christmas story looks beautiful when you have the nice three wise men. Uh, this actually comes from an 8th century writer called Bede the Venerable. Does anyone want to be called Venerable? I'd like to be called Venerable. It's a nice name. <laughs> Dale the Venerable. Um, but Bede had this to say, and this is where the description, and in fact, a lot of the depiction of what they look like comes from this uh, writing from Bede. Bede said that, in fact, the first was called Melchior. He was an old man with white hair and a long beard. He offered gold to the Lord as to his king. The second, cast by name, young, beardless, ruddy hue, hope that's me, offered to Jesus his gift of incense or frankincense, the homage due to divinity. The third, of dark complexion, with heavy beard, was called Balthazar. The myrrh he held in his hands prefigured the death of the Son of Man. Now, Bede was pretty close to the event, right? Eighth century? It's pretty close. <laughs> um, but that's exactly how they looked, guys. We can learn a lot, though, from uh, what Bede has to say, um, particularly because he does talk about the value of the gifts, and the gifts themselves are important. And we could spend this whole sermon this morning talking about the gifts, but I'm not going to. But the gifts actually have some great um, truth held inside of them, of who they came to worship and why they gave the gifts that they did. So there you go, that's a Bible study for another time, homework. Everyone loves homework when you come to church. But we're not going to talk about that this morning so much. We are going to talk, though, about how is it that these men were wise? If they were wise men, what made them so? And why did they come to find Jesus? Why did they come to find Jesus? There's a lot of possible reasons for this, but since we are people of the book, there are some possible, maybe, hints within the Bible as to why these wise men came from the East to find. Now, these are just hypothetical things, so please give me license here. I'm going to uh, talk about some things that are prophetic. As in the passage we read this morning, there was a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And so there were lots of prophecies in the Old Testament that spoke of the Messiah. And just perhaps, maybe, and it might be a tenuous link, maybe these wise men who came from Persia got some of their information to find Jesus from the book of Daniel. Because if you know the story of Daniel, Daniel was high up, high ranking in Babylon, captured and taken away. And Babylon was overthrown by the Persians and the Medes. And Daniel was known for his writing and for all sorts of different things. And he wrote a lot down. And of course, we have the book of Daniel in our Bible, which is very important. And in Daniel chapter 9, there is a, a prophetic word given by the Gabriel the archangel. Uh, and he's speaking to Daniel. And just before this passage, I haven't got it up on the screen, but just before this passage, he talks about something that Jeremiah the prophet had said. I know I'm throwing around the Bible a bit this morning, so please forgive me. But Jeremiah the prophet made a prophecy that the Israelites would be in Babylon for 70 years. And he talked about those 70 years in terms of weeks. 
So this is the passage just before this and in Daniel. He talked about 70 weeks or 70 years that these Israelites would be captive in Babylon. Then the archangel Gabriel goes on to say this prophecy. 70 weeks of decree to your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, sounds a little bit like Jesus, to seal both vision and prophet and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that the time that the word went out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, which if we take it literally, if we're historians, would be 444 BC-ish, around then, until the time of an anointed prince, there shall be seven weeks and for 62 weeks which, if we're counting it as years, about 483, about 33 AD. Now, I know I'm stretching things a bit. This is just one interpretation. I'm not necessarily saying it's true. But this, amongst many, could have been some of the things that the prophet Daniel may have known of, the wise men may have known of. They may have known of Daniel because of their connection and the place where they came from, And they may well have known the scriptures. They were, of course, wise men. And we think that's important, right? You'd think wise men would know of the ancient writings. Now, this is a bit of a stretch, and I get it. But regardless, it is interesting. And we mustn't forget that they, of course, were following a star, right? They were following a star. This was their main form of guidance. In the book of Numbers, chapter 24, there is a passage from Balaam. Now, you might remember Balaam as the the guy who had the donkey speak to him. Does anyone remember that story in the Bible, Balaam? So, uh, you know, I'm very encouraged by that. If God can use a donkey and speak through a donkey, he can speak through me. It can work. It can happen. He can use us. He can use me. But in this passage in uh, Numbers 24, Balaam is um, approached by a Moabite king to curse the people of Israel before they enter the promised land. So the biblical story goes that they left from Egypt where they had the exodus and then they were coming into the promised land. And as they were coming in, people wanted to stop them. This Moabite king wanted to stop them. So he approached a famous seer named Balaam and said, please curse the people of Israel. You need to put a curse on them because they're trying to come in and take this land. In fact, God spoke to Balaam and said, you can't do that, Balaam. Sorry, they're my people. I'm not going to let you. And Balaam makes four oracles. And in one of these oracles, he actually says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the borderlands of Moab and the territory of the Shethites. Another prophetic word, this one to do with the star. Once again, maybe they knew it, maybe they didn't. I could be stretching. But a star leading to the Messiah. However they knew, however they found their way, these wise men knew that a king was to be born, knew that a star would lead them and guide them. They knew that it was important. They'd had an epiphany, a revelation, a realization. They knew. Now, this is all interesting trivia. It's all great, fun and games. But what I really want us to know this morning, what I really want us to understand, is that these wise men were wise because they took the knowledge that they had, however they formed that, however they got that knowledge about the Messiah, the King to be born. And they did something about it. And at the start of 2019, I want us to ask the question, how can we be wise? It's a new year. Fresh start. A chance for us to think about this coming year in a new light. 
I've got three things that I'd like to talk about this morning that I think can help us, that we can learn from the wise men to be wise in 2019. The first thing is that we can make decisions, right? We can take steps. At the start of a new year, we can make resolutions. Has anyone made resolutions in the room? I'm asking for people to nod. Yes, no, maybe some. I've made some to uh, get rid of this weight from Christmas, from all the yummy, delicious food that I've eaten. I'm sure there's people with me in the room, maybe a little bit indulgent over Christmas. But we have decisions we can make. These wise men made a decision to seek out Jesus. It's a common saying, and you would have heard it possibly around Christmas, that wise men and women still seek him. Wise men and women still seek him, just like these wise men did. They were seekers. They came from the east and came to Jerusalem asking. They wanted answers. They had questions. They searched. They wanted to know more. They had a hunger for spiritual things. They had made a decision. And I think it's important for us to make a decision at the start of 2019 that we will seek for more answers. We will seek to know more of our God. We will seek to know more of our faith. We will seek to grow. It's really important for us to never grow stagnant in our Christian life. We need to continue to grow. And sometimes we need to push ourselves to do this. Will we be wise like the wise men at the start of 2019? Will we seek answers, make decisions to seek Jesus? Secondly, like the wise men, they followed a star. They followed the light. They set out and ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And you know what, church? We have a light. It's been given to us. The psalmist says the word, the Bible, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I think it's important at the start of a new year, will we we be wise? Will we look at this? Or will it sit on our bedside table? Or will it sit on our bookshelf or coffee table? Or will we look at our Bible? Will we seek out answers? Will we be wise? I'd like to encourage you very specifically, actually, I'm being bold, to start a Bible reading plan if you don't already, if that's not a daily habit for you, to to find one. If you don't have one, there are many available, and of course there are some great things within the Anglican Church that you can use, and the Book of Common Prayer is amazing to help us and shape us on that journey as well. But if you need something portable and on the go, I'm going to make a little bit of a small free sales pitch here just, just for us this morning. All of last year, I did the Bible in One Year app which is by Nikki Gumpel, who is the rector at Holy Trinity Brompton in the UK. And it's a fantastic resource, free to download on any device, and it is a daily devotional. And if you're not a reader, it's got audio for every single day. Just listen to it. But it can help you, and I'm not saying you have to do that. There are other ways in which we can do this, and it can help us as well. You know that research tells us that it takes 21 days to form a habit. 21 days. And research also tells us that with New Year's resolutions, decisions in the new year, people give up after 14 days. Most people give up, which means you were one week away. One week away from that resolution. 
whether that was the Bible or going to the gym or, you know, whatever it was, sometimes we give up too early. We don't persist. We need to persist. Maybe you haven't had a daily Bible reading plan before, or maybe you have and it didn't seem to work for you. I would encourage you to persist. Try again. Another good way is to have a friend and, or somebody who keeps you accountable. Sometimes it can be a spouse. Sometimes that's not the right thing. <laughs> but it can be helpful to read the Bible together, of course, and to pray together as a family. But I would encourage you, at the start of this new year, let us be wise like the wise men. Lastly, and this one will sound the most simple of all, what did the wise men do? They worshipped Jesus. They paid him homage. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and they paid him homage. They worshipped him. They'd had this moment of epiphany knowing that they needed to go to Jesus, knowing that they needed to follow the star, but when they got there, they worshipped him. They knelt down. They had all the head knowledge, but when they got there, they did what was really important. They worshipped. And we will be worshippers of Jesus forever if we believe in him and follow him. And I want to encourage us at the start of this new year that we need to be worshippers. And of course, you are here on a Sunday. I preach to the choir. You are worshipping Jesus in church on Sunday morning, on Epiphany. But I dare say that it is just as important to be worshipping him every other day. And, you know, we, we often talk about worship and singing. And singing is not worship. It's just a part of worship. It's one aspect but it is a very powerful aspect, and there's a reason why we have the Psalms in the Bible. Song is a powerful tool for us to worship Jesus and worship God. So I want to encourage you in the start of this new year to use song to worship. Find what fits for you. We all have our different preferences and styles in worship. We, we like certain types of music. Find praise and worship that will help you to worship the King at the start of this year. Put it on your to-do list. We will be singing to him forever, the Bible actually says. Some might not like that idea very much, singing forever. But the Bible does say in Revelation 4 that the angels sing forever around God's throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Singing is a part of the Christian faith. Worshipping, I should say, is a part of the Christian faith. Singing is a way in which to do that. And if, hey, singing isn't for you, there's other ways. Absolutely. Will we be wise like the wise men in 2019? Will we worship Jesus? They were wise. How can we be so? Well, we make a decision. Make steps. Seek after. Look for answers. You might have questions about faith that you've never actually answered. I challenge you in 2019, find out the answers. Get wisdom. Search the Bible. Speak with wise people in your world. Follow the light and worship the King. This is how we can be wise. Now, we are almost done. And I did promise that I would tell you about my cryptic message uh, that is just down here. Is, do we have any mathematicians in the room? Any brilliant mathematicians? Oh, great, we do have one. That's fantastic. Well... I'm being a little bit deceptive this morning. This is actually not math, but it does look a little bit like math. I was terrible at algebra in high school, uh, but 
it, it does look like a bit of a, a math puzzle. But it, in fact, is a long-standing, for hundreds of years, Christian tradition called chalking the door, done by churches in a number of different movements, including the Anglican Church and the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church. And chalking the door is this idea that on Epiphany, that's why I couldn't give it up. It was actually an Epiphany tradition. I couldn't, couldn't not talk about it. On Epiphany, churches will put this over the top of the church door and also their own homes. And it's actually a powerful illustration because what this actually means, what it actually stands for, is 20. If you can see it up there, it's got 18 at the end. It's actually 19 for a reason. 20, meaning our year, plus, which means the cross. Casper, the cross. Malchior, the cross. Balthazar, the cross. And 19, our year. It stands for the wise men. It also stands for a Latin phrase, which is Christus mansionum benedicat, which means Christ bless this house. Christ bless this house. So double meaning, Christ bless this house, and Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Ooh, that's a mouthful. It's a powerful thing. It's a statement about being wise, about following the wise men and their example, and about asking for the blessing of God upon us in this new year, at the start of a new year. Having the revelation that we can't do anything without God and we need him. We need that wisdom. Now, I'm also conscious that the New Testament, Paul actually says to us, do you not know that you are God's temple, you are God's house, and that God's spirit dwells in you? You are God's house. The moment you believe the Holy Spirit came inside, into you. On Thursday night, I preached this sermon as well at our Thursday service. By the way, you are most welcome anytime if you want to come to the Thursday service. There's my little pitch. Sorry, Stuart. <laughs> On Thursday night, I had people come up and write their family name down underneath here, underneath Casper, Malchior, and Balthasar to say this year we are going to follow Jesus and be wise, make a decision to be wise like the wise men. I'm not going to ask you to do that this morning. But what I think is important, and I've got some chalk to add to my board, is that it's an opportunity for us at the start of a new year to say in our hearts to God, you know what, God? I'm writing this on my heart this year. I'm your temple. I'm your house. May you bless me. May you bless my family. May you bless my endeavors as I seek to honor you and be wise in 2019. So I'll ask you to prayerfully consider that. Will you write that on your heart this year? Will you be wise like the wise men in 2019? Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the wisdom that is found in the words of Scripture. Thank you that it is a light for us to follow, that Jesus, you are the wisdom in those pages. Lord, help us this year to seek you, to follow the light, and to worship you. In Jesus' name.